0: Welcome to the audio podcast of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage, the show where you can talk face to face with your favorite MLB players and personalities. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this round of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. I am JB setting it up for three time World Series champion, three time Cy Young Hall of Famer, Jim Palmer. Jim, thanks for being with us. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, I know fans are fired up. Social media is already a blur of questions. I'm doing what I can to read. But I'm slow in that fashion. Meanwhile, folks, whatever device you're on, whether laptop or uh, phone or any other pad, uh, join us. Be part of the show. It's not good if it's just me talking to Jim. We need your questions. You can hashtag ChattingCage on Twitter. But as I said, use the MLB Fans app and join us right here in the show. While I wait for you to join us, I'm going to go to that social media. This one is from Moore underscore Baltimore 2. Jim, which present-day Oriole most impresses you?
1: Well, there are, you know, there there are a lot of guys. Um, I mean, I think it's kind of unfair to point out one guy. I mean, for (laughs) the young, well, for the young players, you know, Manny Machado's 23, going to turn 24, I think, in the next couple of months. Um, Pretty gifted player. I think we've seen him, you know, last year, you know, hitting the high 280s, hit 35 home runs. Uh, This year, you know, because of the injury to J.J. Hardy's had to play shortstop. And, um, now you know why he was the number one draft choice as a shortstop you know, coming out of high school in South Florida. Uh, you, know, you know, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a big Mark Trumbo fan. He's done a nice job. You know, kind of a, I wouldn't say he's an intellectual giant, but he's a very smart guy. I really like talking to him. You know, I met him years ago when he came up with the Angels. And, you know, he's traveled a little bit, but he's really been a good fit. You know, I mean, obviously the Orioles have a lot of guys. You know, we know Chris Davis hits home runs. Uh, you know, Adam Jones has been a favorite because he plays the game hard. So there are, you know, there are a lot of guys that are good. I think one of the young players that has really stepped forward is Jonathan Scope, really playing well defensively. You know, he's, he's kind of close to the 1,000 at bat mark um, in the major leagues. And the result's been, you know, that I think he's having much better quality at bats.
0: Uh, There you have a great answer there, looking into not singling it out, but showing what a great crop of young players there are in Baltimore. This is the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. I'm JB. That's Jim Palmer taking your questions. Fire up your device, folks. Join us here. Meanwhile, I'll go back to Twitter. Uh, I love this question. It's sort of a two-parter, Jim. Uh, This is from Changeomania. Names are great on Twitter. Uh, Mr. Palmer, how was your first time pitching in the majors and your first time in the World Series? Were the nerves up or were you pumped up? Thanks. Um... The, uh, the
1: first time I pitched in the majors, I was 19, kind of had to be with the Orioles. I had um, pitched uh, in Aberdeen, South Dakota for Cal Ripken Senior. So I was a starting pitcher. I actually came in relief uh, with a couple of guys on, snow flurries, early April 1965, out of the bullpen in Fenway Park. Um, I walked Carl Yastrzemski, which I could do quite easily. I could walk anybody. <laughs> I had walked 130 and 129 innings the year before. Um, and then I struck out Tony Canigliaro with the bases loaded, which, which I, you know, kind of made me excited. Um, yeah, so I didn't give up any, um, I, I didn't give up any, actually I did. I didn't give, I was going to say, I didn't give up any inherited runners, but I think, um, uh, the next hitter, he's now at least I'm trying to think of his name. i try to forget this, but, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, he's this guy with the Orioles now, Lee Thomas, he hits a broken bat single and I give up a couple of runs, but, the significance of the first time I faced Conigliaro was, you know, for almost uh, 4,000 innings, I never threw a grand slam. I could have gotten it uh, over with with the first, or really the second batter I ever <laughs> faced. You know, and then the first World Series game was a year later. You know, I pitched game two of the 66 World Series. Mo Drabowski, we had picked him up on waivers, came in, struck out 11 Dodgers in six and two thirds innings. In game one, Dave McNally had started. Uh, He would come back, pitch game four. We would win 1-0. I won 6-0 against Koufax. Mm -hmm. As it turned out, it was Sandy's last game. I wasn't nervous, but it was Sandy Koufax, so I knew I had to pitch well. And as it turned out, I pitched a shutout, my first in the major leagues. And then game three, Wally Bunker, who had been rookie pitcher of the year with 19 wins and then had shoulder problems, comes back and wins 1-0. So the Dodgers in that World Series never scored after the second inning of game one. It was... a Quite a run for the Oriole pitching staff.
0: Uh, it certainly was. You were a key part of that as well. Great uh, answer there. There you go, Change of Mania. There's your insights to Jim Palmer in terms of both starting in the majors and starting in a World Series. We have a fan with us now. What's your name, where you're from? What is your question for Mr. Palmer? Hi, my name is Matt. I'm from Farmingdale, New York. Uh, it's an honor to uh, talk to you, Mr. Palmer. Um, what do you think
1: of about the current climate of protecting Protecting young arms because you see with uh, games nowadays it's pitchers pitch five six innings and you go to the bullpen, or it's four or five innings and then you go to the bullpen. Do you think it's protecting? Think we're protecting more or this is like Tommy John? Um, what do you think about that? Well, that's kind of a multifaceted question. Um, I play three sports. Uh, I think a lot of the young pitchers we see, especially you know maybe coming up from the Dominican Republic at a young age, you know people are looking at radar guns. I mean, I played basketball, played football, so I actually did rest my arm. Did I abuse my arm when I was playing Babe Ruth, Pony League, even Little League? I would think the answer. I mean, I once pitched in a Babe Ruth Finals. I walked 18 in a 10-inning game on Monday, went to center field, hit a home run in the 12th, three-run home run, one six to three, came back with a day's rest, pitched in the Finals. So I must have thrown, I don't know, 400 pitches Ooh. probably in two days. But I did rest my arm because I played other sports. Um, You know, the game is, you know, it's a a game of specialization. So I think what we see young pitchers, uh, they are radar gun conscious. They, you know, want to know how hard they're throwing, even at an early age. I don't think that's conducive to protecting arms. Uh, And the other thing is that a lot of pitchers are rushed to the major leagues. I was, but I actually sat a year in the bullpen. So I only pitched, I don't know, maybe 90 innings the first year. And then the next year, I actually went all the way up to. Uh, in the minor leagues, uh, I had pitched, what, 180, then I pitched 90, then I pitched 208. But there was, we kept tracks of pitches, but there was no um, significant pitch count. The first year I really started, which was 66, I pitched an 8-to-1 game through 177 pitches, and they asked our pitching coach, Harry Burkeen, what would you like to see from Palmer? He said, I'd like to bring the pitch count down to 130, 140 pitches. So the game was just different back then.
0: That is, that is a phrase you will not hear no, uh, anytime no. soon. <laughs> <No, no. laughs> I'd like to bring it down to 130, 140 you know in that range. That way we will be a lot healthier a long, uh, a long time. Great question there from Matt in Farmingdale. It's the Edward Jones Chatting Cage. Another fan with us. What's your name? Where you're from? What's your question for Jim?
1: Uh, Mike from uh, Rancho Cucamonga, California. Well, home of the and, Angels uh, A-Team. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, Big fan of you and, and the Orioles uh, back in their heyday. Um, one of my favorite players, our, actually our family favorite player was Frank Robinson. Um,
0: just curious how he was as a teammate. Um, I read a lot about him, kind of get a sense that he was kind of a surly guy at times, but uh, just curious how he was as a teammate.
1: Well, he was a surly guy on his way to 586 home runs. Um, you know, Frank, got we, we won 94 games in my first rookie year in 1965. The problem was the Twins won 102, so Frank comes over the next year, and you know we, we're playing an inter-squad game. Steve Cosgrove's pitching for us in Miami. I'm sitting next to Dick Hall. Dick Hall went to Swarthmore. I think he walked nine guys in his career. Came up as a third baseman with the Pirates. Ended up being a six-six kind of very unusual wind-up type of pitcher. Great control pitcher. And Steve Cosgrove's had a you know good fastball, curveball off the table. He throws Frank, who uh, had just got into spring training because he was trying to find some housing in Baltimore because of the trade. Uh, and Frank kind of stays back, keeps his bat back, but gets out on his front foot and hits a double down the left field line. And, you know, talk about this in the, in the book, you know, nine in success that's coming out, he hits a double off the chalk. And I looked at Dick Hall. I mean, I was 20 at the time. And I said, I think we just won the world series. So Frank hits 49 home runs, two in the world series, MVP, uh, he had already won in the National League, and then he also won the Triple Crown that year. Um, he had an edge to him. You know, he could be, I don't think he liked pitchers. I liked him. <laughs> you know, I'll you know, I, I'll give you one quick story about how I got to the Hall of Fame. We're pay, playing against Oakland. Hawk Harrelson hits a two-run home run, I think, in second time up in the fourth inning. Now, I go in the ninth inning, We're, I'm pitching against Catfish Hunter when he's pitching for the A's. Frank has struck out three times. We get two guys on in the ninth inning. It's still two to nothing. Frank hits a home run down the right field line in the mezzanine, right around the foul pole. I win three to two, and that's how I got to Cooperstown because <laughs> of guys like Frank. So, um, you know, marvelous player. Actually, when I hurt my arm, I played for him when he man- managed down in San Terce, Puerto Rico. When he wanted to become, uh, as it turned out, he did become. But he wanted to learn how to manage. He went down there in winter ball and then became the first African American. American manager, uh, probably in the early '70s when he managed uh, in Cleveland.
0: Wow, uh, great insight there, uh, great story, and uh, beautifully told as well. In terms of which is something you have a skill at, and it leads us to a question. Then I'll follow up more on that. This is Joe's O's forever wants to know: Jim, tougher to pitch a no-hitter or write a book?
1: No, actually, you know, Alan Mayman helped me write the book, <laughs> and you know, and 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 when I did pitch my no-hitter, uh, we won eight to nothing. Uh, so I. I got a lot of runs. I didn't have to, you know, I had like, I think five one hitters. A couple of them were perfect games going into the ninth inning. The problem was because I was a perfectionist. Uh, once I got a no hitter, I probably should have pitched some, around some guys, but you know, again, I, you know, I, in, 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 in the book that I did write, I, you know, I kind of talk about, you know, uh, being perfect is, you know, is, 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 it, it, it's, it's, it's very difficult to attain. But if you try to be perfect, maybe you'll become excellent or maybe be, be the best you can. So, um, you know, the no hitter, not that it was easy, but I did have a big lead. Uh, as it turned out, um, you know, it was a game against Oakland in 1969. Uh, people don't realize this, but my left fielder played second base, Don Buford. He had actually been a, a, a second baseman when Earl Weaver took over the year before. He moved him to left field. He played second base, Davey Johnson. Also played second base. Mark Belanger was our regular shortstop. Eight goal gloves. Bobby Floyd played that night. And when I had the no-hitter in the ninth inning, this is kind of when I knew Earl didn't like me, he left Buford at second, and he, he didn't put Belanger in for defense <laughs> at short. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Sending a clear message. to Well, to. apparently so. He basically throws some pop-ups. <laughs> That's right. Here's your strategy. So, uh, and you talk about it. Nine innings to success, a Hall of Famer's approach to achieving excellence. Uh, what was that process like? What 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 was the sort of the inspiration to actually put it down in book form?
1: Well, you know, I have a lot of friends, and they would hear stories. I mean, you know, what during the baseball strike, I wrote a, look, a book called Together We Were Eleven Foot Nine. It was about Earl Weaver. Mm-hmm. You know, Earl was five six, I was six three. That's how we got to the <laughs> eleven nine. I wrote it with Jim Dale, and it was a lot of Earl stories. So, you know, the the last couple of years, I am seventy. You know, I I was adopted. We talk about that. Uh, you know, I learned. I mean. It, at an early age, how lucky I was to have parents that really loved me. Years later, I would do a show with Dave, you know, a, a Sally Jesse Raphael show with uh, Dave Thomas, who founded Wendy's. Mm-hmm. He was adopted. Faith Daniel, who was the, you know, did the, the early morning CBS show. She was uh, adopted. Roger Grimsby was a correspondent with ABC. He was adopted. Kind of an angry guy, but because um, I, I think he went back to see his biological parents and they told him, we didn't want you when mm-hmm. you were born. We don't want to see you now. Mm-hmm. I never found my biological parents, but what I found out uh, during that show was, and I, I already knew it, but I, I don't think I was really able to, uh, you know, maybe cerebrally or, or verbally put it was that you don't have to be a biological parent to be a good parent. Mm. So in other words, whether you're a foster child, you know, I, you know, I was stepfather to uh, my second wife's son, you know, I learned parenting skills there. We'd always have that conversation, PJ, when are you going to do the right thing? You know, the devil's over here the angels on this side, Mm -hmm. you know, which one are you going to listen to? You know, and now I have an autistic son, Spencer, greatest kid in the world. When they did the uh, retired um, statues in 2012, they did Earl Weaver and, or actually Frank Robinson in April, uh, supposed to be Brooks in May, but he had some health problems. So he was moved to September. They had Earl Weaver in June, me in uh, July, Eddie Murray in uh, August, and then Cal and, and Brooks in the month of September and they did the statues, Spencer actually ran out on the field and um, introduced me. Oh, wow. And you know, for a lot of parents that have autistic kids or you know somebody, a lot of kids aren't verbal. Mm-hmm. So for Spencer to go out there and, you know, grab the microphone in front of 40,000 people and say, let's hear it for number 22, yeah. still the greatest, the most amazing, <laughs> that's exactly what he told me to say. Jim Palmer <laughs> was really something special. So, uh, you know, we, so we kind of write, a, you know, it, I mean, it's a, it's a book of life lessons, You know, I played with some of the great uh, players. You know, I mean, Dennis Eckersley talks about the the Gibson home runs and dealing with adversity. Brooks Robinson talks about, you know, a lot of times you may think the game baseball is easy or whatever you do. And, uh, you know, you have to kind of deal with doing it every day. And if you do it at a certain level, you know, sooner or later you're going to get it right. So Buck Showalter does a little part of one of the chapters. Tim McCarver, a friend of mine, Frank Blathen, who's a publisher of Seattle Times, somebody I grew up with. Dan Shaughnessy of the Boston Globe writes about diversifying. You know, every time he had a college tuition, Boston College, Boston University, Harvard, he wrote another book, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? We all know that what that's about. So, you know, so I mean, I think it's an interesting book. I learned a lot of life lessons from, from Cal Jr.'s dad. He was my first manager about work ethic, work ethic and, you know, trying to get a little bit better every day you go to the ballpark. So, you know, and, and that, that's applied to pretty much everything I've done uh, over the, my lifetime.
0: Well, boy, if that story is a small insight to what that book is, that's worth a read. Absolutely, folks. Get out there and get that beautifully told. Jim Palmer talking about that, talking about teammates, talking about the people he's worked with uh, as well who have helped him write. We have another fan with us who looks mobile. What's your name? Where are you from? Yeah, all right, we're traveling now. What's your name? Where are you from? What's your question for uh, Jim Palmer? Uh,
1: my question for you, Mr. Palmer, is uh, what was the feeling uh, like beating Sandy uh, Koufax in the World Series? Uh, he's talking about my first World Series game, you know, in 1966. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned earlier, we, I watched Mo Drabowski strike out 11 uh, Dodgers in <laughs> six and two-thirds innings. And I said, ooh, they might have a little problem with a high <laughs> fastball. But, you know, Sandy pitched great. I mean, it, was, it turned out I was 20, he was 30. I think he was 25 and five that year, you know, with an ERA of under two runs a game. And I didn't want to embarrass myself. But the way the game went, fifth inning, nothing, nothing, uh, Davey Johnson and I believe Andy Echebarron hit fly balls to center field. Willie Davis dropped the first one, dropped the second one. After he dropped the second one, I think everybody knew he was having a bad day with a glove. Picked it up and threw it in the dugout. We got some unearned runs. The Dodgers would actually make three more errors in that game. We'd win 6 nothing, and um, Koufax didn't really deserve to lose the game. Mm. But I was very happy that Willie had a bad day in the outfield, (laughs) you know. But, you know, again, I mean, it was kind of surreal because, um, you know, I mean, I went to Dodger Stadium when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. I went fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grades. I was adopted, born in New York, big Yankee fan early on. I went to the Coliseum. I used to see the Dodgers play all the time. And to be pitching against, you know, Maury Wills, and as it turned out, Tommy uh, Tommy Davis was one of the great Dodgers, but he had broken his ankle. He pinch hit, got a single Pinch hitting in the eighth inning, but I had seen all these guys play. You know, I dreamed about, you know, maybe either being a Dodger or a Yankee, and to be able to pitch in that World Series is pretty special.
0: Uh, certainly, and again, uh, great story, well told there from Jim Palmer. Uh, and uh, while we follow up on that, let me follow up on this one. This is the EDJ question of the day. It's a hard hitting one. Jim, why did you eat pancakes on the days yeah. that you pitched?
1: Well, because we won. <laughs> You know and t- I mean t- you know I don't know if I was carbo loading or not but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with that I, um, you know it's funny I, I would eat, I don't know I'd just make pancakes or I'd be at a restaurant I ate blueberry pancakes at the uh, Sheridan Hotel in Boston and I didn't even like blueberry pan- pancakes but we scored 17 runs that day and I won 17 to three That's it. and I'm going I said I think I got to go to blueberry pancakes but um, I ate them and we were actually in Anaheim in 1966, the first year I really kind of started every, you know, I was a regular starter. And we had to leave Anaheim to go to Kansas City. And we left before the coffee shop was open, we got on a plane, commercial flight, got into Kansas City, and I think I lost four to three. And Kurt Bleffrey, who had been rookie of the year in 1965, said, well, no wonder you lost, you know, you didn't eat your pancakes. So i was stupid at mike flanagan the late mike flanagan you so you know they're superstitions and they're stupidstitions but for me the pancakes worked and my daughters liked it
0: you I'm, know there you go exactly. it, yeah. and again like uh like the 140 pitch count limit it was a different area you didn't know you well, were right. carbo loading
1: well i was but you know i mean i had eggs and i had bacon but uh, and i hadn't done underwear ads when i started so i didn't really matter what i looked like i mean it was. You know, it was perfect.
0: <laughs> that's right, before that era as well. Folks, I hope you enjoyed uh, your time here with Jim Palmer. Jim, do you have a good time talking to fans? Me? Yeah, you. I always have a good time. Uh, that's right. I'm you... used to doing three-hour baseball games. That's right. No, Come this on. Is, we, that's, we're, we're fast and friendly here. Uh, <laughs> Jim, thanks for being with us. That's at Jim22Palmer, Hall of Famer, most winningest pitcher in the 70s, author. Check out the book as well. Jim, I thank you for being with us. You're welcome. Uh, fans, you. I thank you for stopping by as always, and we'll see you on the next round of the Edward Jones Chatting Cage.